Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of Grind Hard, Hustle Smart with your boy, Charles Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, the framework is a little bit different today. Your boy is standing up. I'm standing tall. I'm standing strong. Well, maybe not tall. I'm a little short on the short side. But you know what I mean. I changed the framework. I'm not sitting down. Your boy is standing up. And what I'm about to say to you, I got to say with my whole chest. I got to say it with my whole chest because I want you to feel me. I want you to understand what I'm about to say. And I'm, I'm just going to share these stories with you all and provide for you all some takeaways, some things that you all can take with you throughout your lives and throughout your day, throughout your obstacles, throughout your problems, throughout the things that are hindering you from becoming the human being that you want to be. But I'm showing this and doing this vulnerability with you so that you all can know that is absolutely 100% possible because if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm nothing special. I'm nothing exceptional. I'm not an outlier. I'm just like everybody else. A flawed man, a flawed human being, working his way progressively through life. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get it. It is now game time. Round one. DJ Bells versus the obstacles of life. Fight. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to today's episode of Grind Hard, Hustle Smart. With me, Charles Johnson. As promised, as guaranteed, as I put out to you, since I'm a man of integrity, I am going to tell you about one of the tro most traumatic experiences of my childhood, of me being a toddler. I'm going to tell you about the first time I encountered the drug known as cocaine. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I encountered cocaine at five years old, not in usage or in dealing, but just a bystander, an innocent bystander, and the results of the drug game. And then I'm going to tell you at the end and wrap it all up and let you know what I want you to learn from all of that. So let's just hop right into it. So I grew up in Syracuse, New York. If many of you do not know where that is, just look a little bit south east of Rochester, New York. Just think of like the ghetto, someplace in like Chicago or New York City, somewhere like that, some urban area, the ghetto environment. And I'm five years old and I'm at my babysitter's house because my, my mom worked long hours. She was a CNA all my life. But at this point in time, she was working like Many, many shifts. I remember her working like doubles and triples just to be able to put food on the table for me and my, my, my sisters, my siblings. And I'm at my babysitter's house, and my babysitter was a drug dealer. My babysitter was a drug dealer, African-American female, probably middle age at that point in time. And her son, who was in his early 20s or late teens maybe, and they were at a table, at the dining room table across from this sofa that I was laying on. This sofa was an awesome sofa. I still remember the feeling of the sofa to this day. It was just 
so plush and soft and had these huge cushions and you can just like they would engulf you if you're a small child and i just remember being able to just lay there all night and just be so comfortable it's like laying on clouds and i remember across the room the babysitter and her son are sitting at the table and they got what i now know to be a kilo of cocaine on the table and i'm sitting there watching cartoons i'm seeing all this play out as at five years old and i remember they got the kilo of cocaine and they it was wrapped in cellophane or shrink wrap then they unwrapped it was also wrapped in aluminum foil they unwrapped the shrink wrap they then they unwrapped the aluminum foil it's just this brick of of cocaine, just just this kilo of cocaine. I remember their son goes to the back and he comes back out with these bars of soap. Babysitter pulls out this debit card and he pulls out this razor blade and they begin to finally chop up the bars of soap into the cocaine. So if you've never been in the drug game or seen it spoken about, but what they are doing at this point in time is what they call cutting the cocaine. They're cutting the cocaine so that they can stretch it. Most people use like baking soda or, or something like that. Uh, something of equal consistency and color to the cocaine itself. But they don't want to just sell pure cocaine, number one, because it's dangerous. Number two, because if they can stretch it, they can get more bang for their buck. They can get more money out of the one kilo that they have been given. So you cut it with baking soda or, in my babysitter's case, a bar of soap so that you can stretch it so you can turn one kilo into a kilo and a half and still sell it as if it's cocaine and get more money out of it that way instead of just selling it you know, pure cocaine and just selling it by the bag as you would. But you stretch it so that people think they're getting the real deal when they're, they're really not. But you're selling it for the same. So anyway, so they start cutting this cocaine with a, this bar of soap and they just they hammering away, man. They just think of Gordon Ramsay or, 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 or your, your, your favorite chef just over there. Just chopping away at vegetables, just prepping for the day, chopping onions, whatever it is. Just over there rapidly, just chopping, chop, 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 chop. Just chopping with this debit card and this razor blade. They just chopping this cocaine, mixing it, and they flipping it. They flipping it as if you would, like if you were baking a pie, you know, you just fold it into itself. You just chop it, chop it, chop it, chop it, flip. Chop it, chop it, chop it, flip. And you just fold it into itself, until itself, until it all becomes the two ingredients become indistinguishable from each other. Just all one big mass of cocaine at this point. Remember, there's this violent knock in the door. Boom, 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 boom. And everybody look at each other. They're like, who in the world is that? It's almost knocking as if it's the police, but it's not the police. And it happens again. Boom, 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 boom. Who in the world is that? 
Babysitter looks at the sun, son, go, go, go see who that is. Son said, who is it? Person on the other side says, me, you know who it is. Son looks at his mom, looks at his mom. His mom says, open the door. Kid opens the door. Still remember it to this day, man. It says it's probably one of the most traumatic times in my life. And 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 as soon as he opened the door, this this guy puts a silver revolver to this young man's head. It had a, a pearl white grip. I still remember it to this day. And and I didn't know it at the time at, at, at five years old. But what I know now that that was a 38 special. He, he, he takes this 38 special with a pearl hander and puts it to this kid head and immediately violently says, where's my money? The kid says, man, I promise you I'll have your money tomorrow. Look here, kid. If you don't have my money right now, I'm going to kill you right here in front of everybody. Where's my money? Kid's like, man, I promise you, I promise you, I'll have you your money. The dude says, I don't think you're hearing me. You, you think I'm playing, huh? And then he points the gun at his mama. Y'all think I'm playing, huh? I prom- I'm going to kill everybody in this house if you do not have my money. And I, I remember it like it was just in that moment. As a kid, I went from watching TV, and I turned from facing towards watching these drugs being cut up and this, this TV to inside of the sofa. Like I just turned my body, I just flipped myself over and I tried to smush myself as deep into this sofa as I possibly could. And it was not for the reason you think. Yes, I was, I was scared out of my wits. I was so, so frightened. Never been that scared in my life. But I, I remember I turned away not because I, I, I tried to hide from the gunman because I know that was impossible, but because I didn't want to see the muzzle flash. And I didn't want to feel the pain of the, the bullets entering my body. And I and and in my young mind, I thought maybe if I turn away. Maybe if I turn away and try to tuck myself into this sofa, he'll he'll make it quick. He'll make it quick. Well, I don't feel anything. I just I just want to get shot and die and not feel nothing. <laughs> Man, and I this, this story is crazy, right? Then I remember he takes the young man outside. And if you've never been up north, there's a lot of the homes have their multi-story homes. And a lot of them have balconies. And he, he took him out on the balcony, he put the gun in his head again. He said, where is my money? Yeah, I said, man, I promise you, I will have you your money tomorrow. I promise you. And the guy flips the gun around. You know, he holds the, the magazine in the, the, the muzzle. and the grip of the 38 special is now facing away from him and towards the young man. He starts violently beating this man in the face and the head with this pistol. He's pistol whipping him over and over and over again. And I remember the first wound that opened up and it started bleeding. Then the second wound opened up and it started bleeding. Then he started beating him in his eyes and on top of his head. And this, this kid was just covered in blood. I'm like, oh my God. Five years old, I witnessed all this, and I remember the man said, "If you do not have my money, I promise you, I'm going to kill you and everybody in this house if I do not have my money tomorrow." Then the man came in and he pointed the gun at the mob. "You better make sure your son gets me my money." Then the kid, the guy looks down, 
and notice that notices that they're cutting the very kilo of pure cocaine that he had just given them with a bar of soap. Then he goes at this kid again, beating him again and again and again, just angry because now his reputation is on the line. Now he's seeing that they're cutting the dope that he had given them with a bar of soap. So now if all these fiends out there and these addicts out there are getting this bad dope, not only does it reflect reflect poorly on those who are selling it, but also those who are supplying it. And so he's now angry. So he starts beating them harder and harder and harder. And he just leaves this kid there and just, just, he just leaves him. And he walks out the door, puts the pistol back in his hip, and he says, y'all better have my money by tomorrow. I'm going to kill everybody in this house. For the record, nobody in my family has heard this story ever. This is the first time that they will hear this story alongside all of you. And I remember at five years old just being so, so glad that my mom came and got us that night. And we were too broke to have a car at that point in time. And I remember we rode the Blue Central bus. If you've ever been to Syracuse, New York, it's, it's called Central. And they have these blue buses. We got on the bus and went home. And I was so frightened. And I, I couldn't go to sleep. Couldn't go to sleep at all. And I was just sitting there thinking, Lord, please don't let me take Please don't let my mom take me to that house tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, still to this day, I've never seen that young man again. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened to the babysitter. I've never been back to that house since. And my mom's never heard this story. My sister, who was there, and I, I tried to make her remember the story, and she doesn't remember it at all, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And I don't know what happened to any of those individuals, not one. But I remember we never, we, I haven't been back there again, not as far as I can remember. But there's two main things I learned from that. Two main things I learned from that. One was cause and effect. Don't risk any more than you are willing to lose. Don't risk any more than you are willing to lose. And the second thing was, if you're going to go about doing anything in this world, good or bad, realize that there's more lives at risk or that can be blessed or lost because of your actions. So when you decide to do anything in this world, anything at all, I don't care what it is, you decide to, you're going to take that risk and open that business. You're going to take that risk and go back to school. You're going to take that risk and write that book. I don't care what risk you are taking. Realize that don't risk anything that you are not willing to lose. 
If you cannot go without it, don't risk it. But more importantly, if you're going to go out there and risk it, if you're going to put it all on the line, realize that your consequences will come back to you and that those consequences affect more lives than you know. And they affect the lives of those immediately around you more rapidly than those who are on the outskirts. The people who are right there in the moment with you, right there in the essence, the, the genesis of you making that decision, they're affected more rapidly than anybody else. So before you make these decisions, good or bad, realize that there will be a consequence to be had and there will be a price to be paid and it will either be paid by you or be paid by those around you. But both will be affected directly and indirectly. People will be affected. I wasn't a drug dealer at five years old. I wasn't cutting cocaine with a bar of soap at five years old. I was simply being babysat by a drug dealer who, who, who had happened to take good cocaine and make it bad cocaine and risk the name of the supplier. And, and then he came in the home and threatened to kill me because of the, uh, the actions of these people who I had no other connection to. That's what I take away from that. That the decisions that we make day to day, moment to moment, can directly and indirectly affect the lives very literally and figuratively of everyone around us. And we must be conscious of that each and every single day. So before you make that bad decision, recognize that there will be consequences to be had and those who are around us, family, friends, or foe, will be directly or indirectly affected by the actions of our own decisions. That's the two things I learned from that moment, looking back on it in retrospect at five years old. Is that my actions will directly and indirectly affect the lives of those around me, good or bad. To understand that sometimes just don't take shortcuts. Do what's right. Take the hard path. Do the right thing. Do it the right way. The right time. At the right consistency. At the right moment. And you will get to exactly where you need to be. And the lives of those around you will not be negatively impacted, but positively impacted. Stop taking shortcuts. Stop thinking that you can turn something or nothing, excuse me, into something. Sometimes you just have to take what you have and make it better, not because of taking shortcuts, because you worked your behind off to get there, because you did what was right to get there. You didn't cheat. You didn't backstab. 
You understood in that moment that in order to get from point A to point B in the most positive way possible, you had to work your tail off to get there, and you were willing to remain consistent and persevere the pain and endure the, 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 the struggle, the heartache, the suffrage, and just do what was right and not take shortcuts so that the lives of those around you would not negatively be impacted. See, these are things that we don't think about. These are things that I've learned from this crazy story of my first interaction with cocaine at five years old. My first interaction with gun violence at five years old. My first interaction with assault at five years old. My, My first interaction with pure hate and rage at five years old. My first interaction with just the depravity of mankind at five years old. That is what I learned. Just do what's right so that the lives of those around you will be impacted in a good way. And recognize that your actions come with consequences. Cause and effect is a real thing. Our grandmother, our mama's Aunties always told us when we were growing up, what goes around comes around. It's true. Man, what you all think about that? Let me know in the comments. Let me know in the comments, ladies and gentlemen, what you all think about that story. What you all think about that story? And next week, man, I'm, I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next week. What? How can I beat this next week? Next Wednesday, what can I beat? How can I beat it next week? But we'll get to that. I'll let you all know between here and there. But ladies and gentlemen, you all are awesome, amazing, wonderful human beings. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Your causes have effects. The things that you choose to go out into this world and do have consequences. And it affects those around you indirectly and directly without any regard towards if you actually meant those things to happen to these people. Your actions, negative or positive, has a consequence on you and those around you. Realize that each and every single day. Whew, man, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel, download this podcast, and make me a part of your daily routine. Share me. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. Grind hard, hustle smart. Is available on all major podcaster platforms. You can also book me for speaking engagements at thecharlesjohnson.com. One more time, thecharlesjohnson.com. You can also purchase the merchandise at thegrindishard.com. Once again, thegrindishard.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. It's been amazing. Thank you for sharing this time with me. And remember, as always, to grind hard, hustle smart. Have a good one. For the record. For the record. For the record. For the record. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a price for y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hay. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and A's. I'm flipping the bars. I'm flipping the, flipping the, flipping the. All record, off record. I still count wins when they got it. All record, off record. I 
let him take advantage, I was wildin' All record, all record deals, tell him talk to Colin for the quote All record, all record eyes, still want to act, not the ghost For the record, I'm done tryin' to make y'all comfortable For the record, you ain't tryin' to grow, they ain't stunned for you For the record, lab on me goin' all the way For the record, ain't tryin' to make no time to waste Running through it with the young influence, adolescent presses, I'm succumbing to it. I've been giving yeses when I shouldn't do it. I complete ejector, but the moves elusive and I'm barely moving. But I'm still gonna boost them. I can't work on winners when I know you're losing. So I work the winners and they throw the deuces. Guess I have to clip it, shooting no bazookas for the facts. I need racks, paper, cash, fuck a tax. That's a joke, tell them that. Uncle Sam, fuck out the bag. Brody plot, but get a whack. Contract, give me the facts. I got laugh on my back. You ain't that, then it's raps. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For the record, I'm done trying to make y'all comfortable. For the record, you ain't tryna grow, then it's done for you. For the record, lab on me going all the way. For the record, ain't tryna make no time to waste. Facts, I need racks, paper, cash, fuck a tax, that's a joke. Tell him that, Uncle Sam, fuck out the bag. Roll me plot, forget a whack, contract, give me the max. I got lab on my back, you ain't that, then it's racks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For the record, I'm done tryna make y'all comfortable. For the record, you ain't tryna grow, then it's done for you. For the record, live on me going all the way. For the record, ain't trying to make no time to waste. Right.